Parallel, a tech podcast with accessibility sprinkles. I'm Shelley Brisbane, your host, and this is episode 72. Well, companies that make products for people with disabilities have some unique challenges, often to do with how they get funded and also finding the customers who are able to afford the products that they make in sometimes very niche markets. We're talking with someone today who has experienced some of these challenges and as well has made a couple of very innovative products that are worth our time to talk about just on their own. And so we're going to we're going to try and cover both of those topics today on the show with Hugo Jacome. He is a co-founder of Talif, which is an Ecuadorian based startup that is the maker of SpeakLiz and Vision. Hugo, welcome to the show. Hello, Shelley. Thanks so much for having today me. I'm really glad to have you. And I uh, got to become aware of what you were doing through an article about your product, uh, Speak Liz. So I thought to let people know what kind of top, what kind of products we're going to be talking about, we, we could start there. Tell us a little bit about what, what Speak Liz does. Okay. Uh, so Speak Liz is a product, I mean, it's a mobile app that uh, was designed to assist people with hearing impairment to, I mean, to, to have a more independent life when, when we are speaking about the, the, the daily life things, you know, uh, for example, for a person with hearing impairment, uh, if, if she or he it's in a, in a building and then suddenly a fire alarm starts to ring, uh, that person won't uh, hear that sound. So that, that uh, put the person in a potentially dangerous uh, situation. So um, we designed this to to help them, and uh, it, it started as a, as an app that was only able to, I mean, to to make a transcription from the from the voice to to the text. But um, now it's a, it's an application that can, for example, uh, analyze the sound surroundings in real time and give you insights of all, about hundreds of different kinds uh, types of sounds. Uh, it can also detect the sign languages, gestures, and just with the camera without using a third party sensor or a watch or, a, or any hardware like that, because uh, we, we just want to break the communication barrier between people with hearing impairment and people that doesn't have the hearing impairment. Remember that when you are a sign language user and you try to use your native language in a certain situation, it's highly probable that the most of the hearing people won't understand you. Because let's be honest, uh, most of us, we don't even think about the hearing or visual impairment or any kind of disability if we don't experience a very close case in our family or in, in our friend's uh, circle or in, in our friend community. I mean, uh, and, and, and that causes that most of the society don't even think the, uh, on the, of the challenges that these people have. So that's like the, the big purpose of Spiglis. And, and SpeakLiz uses artificial intelligence. You already mentioned that it uses the camera of, of the mobile phone. So it's using AI to process the information it gathers, whether it's through audio or through the camera, and then it feeds back to the, to the deaf or hard of hearing user. And does, does the user pay for the app? Is it, is, it, is it expensive for them or is it free? Or how, how, do you, how do you make money on a thing like that? <laughs> okay, that's a great question. Uh, and, and regarding the first part of the question, absolutely. It's all based on artificial intelligence, but one very specific type of artificial intelligence that is often called on the edge. I mean, we don't depend on remote online servers to do all the, the, the processing of the information. Everything uh, must happen in real time inside the device due to many things like privacy. So uh, we work on very, very, very large optimization process, processes to, to make it a reality in, in a tiny mobile processor. Um, and regarding the, the, the pricing, yeah, the app is free in, in the, I mean, it's a freemium plus subscription model. What that means, you can download the app for free 
and you will enjoy one feature for free forever. Okay. In the case of uh, Speaklist, uh, you will enjoy the voice to, to text transcription. But once you want to enjoy another feature, you can access to, to a subscription plan. And we have three, three plans. One is a monthly plan at $4.99. Another one, it's the annual plan at $39.99. There's a lifetime option at $89.99. For some countries, uh, let's say developing countries, we offer uh, some, some different discounts. Uh, the maximum discount is about 40% uh, regarding the, the initial prices that I gave you. So um, yeah, that, that's the, the, the way in, in, in which uh, we, we try to make it sustainable because we are a startup. We have to pay developers a lot of servers, AI cloud services, and a lot of stuff. And you have to make it sustainable. And the reason I wanted to ask about pricing so early on is because I know that you're focused on making products like yours available to developing countries. And so I would imagine that that's a challenge, both in terms of affordability of your product, but also having access to smartphones that have enough on-device horsepower to do the AI that, that you're needing them to do, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, just... I mean, just to clarify, for example, if we speak about uh, an iPhone, okay, our app is optimized to work uh, from an iPhone 8. If we think about the iPhone 8, it's a quite old iPhone. Oh, so yeah. it, it's it's not a, a matter of uh, Spiglis only works in extremely new phones. No, we try to optimize a lot, but really a lot the algorithms of uh, artificial intelligence to work in the most of the of the cases because yes it's totally understandable that not all the people will have the you the, the last iPhone 13 Pro Max and, and Ultra whatever and, and so we have to make it um to make it uh to make it work in, in a in a wide range of devices that's very important because a lot of apple's own uh, AI-based accessibility features and, and some things that are not accessibility features rely on much newer technology. And they talk about the, the machine learning chips that are in the 10R and forward. And it sounds like you're able to go further back than, than Apple itself is in terms of providing these kind of the features that your app uses, which I'm sure is helpful to a, a lot of people who have older phones. Yeah, yeah. That's why we are, we are always working on the let's say optimization process because uh, yeah it, it's okay to to build some amazing ai stuff but you have to make it compatible with some older devices well let's talk a little bit about your your other product vision which is for uh, people with visual impairments well, how does that work yeah exactly vision it's like the same concept of a speak list but for people with visual impairment i mean uh people with visual impairment have different uh, kind of challenges in daily life. Let's say accessing to, to information because not all the information of the world actually at extremely small percentage is in Braille system. Um, they, vision helps them to detect money bills or banknotes. I mean, just uh, close your eyes and try to identify the difference between a $5 bill and a $20 bill. It's extremely difficult. So in some in some cases, uh, the, these people probably receive the wrong bill, and we want to avoid that kind of situations. Vision also uses the camera to detect objects and and, and inform about the relative position. So the the, the user will have uh, a notification and an audio notification with things like. Uh, dog at, at your right side, uh, table in front of you, and probably, I don't know, a chair of a car at your left. Uh, it can measure distances. It has also an accessible maps navigation tool. We can think of it as, a, as an accessible Google Maps because uh, we have to make it, um, we have to make it considering that these people won't go through the highway. 
okay, we have to to use another pedestrian routes to 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 um, to let these people know how to move in the city and, and different kind of situations. We we build these products based on always based on the suggestions on the conversations that we have with with uh, with our users about uh, the different kind of uh, let's say painful situations or uh, problems challenges that they have in their daily life and we try to find a solution through the technology side I know that in especially with iOS, I'm familiar with the built-in accessibility features that have been added recently in the past few years by Apple, things like image recognition and sound recognition and live text now in iOS 14. And I guess I'm wondering if any of those built-in accessibility features that Apple has been adding cause problems for you. Do they mean that people are less likely to want or use the products that you produce? Um. Actually, I, I mean, like, uh, you can think like that, but uh, when you think deeper in the, in the challenges, you can notice that they are so, so, so huge. I mean, the challenges, the problems, the things that these people have, have to, to face in their daily life that I would dream with thousands of accessibility uh, thousands of more accessibility features, you know, and and uh, it, it's not a problem because we re, we in some cases we rely on them to build some of our products, or sometimes we build things that that are more advanced. I mean, for example, the audio recognition or sound recognition feature that Apple introduced in the in some of their last uh, um, iOS uh, versions. Uh, we were doing sound recognition uh, years before that. <laughs> and now we are uh, like learning from that experience of Apple and how to provide an even better service to, to, the, to the users. So we, in some cases, we try to uh, boost those uh, built-in features to offer something better. Mm-hmm. And what about on the Android side? Are your products on Android and are there any particular benefits or challenges to that platform for what you do? Yeah, they are on Android, but uh, we first uh, test all our products and all our apps on, on the Apple Store, in the Apple App Store, because the submission process is, uh, I mean, it's harder, you know, it, it's it's harder to be accepted on the App Store because uh, the, the 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 reviewing process is it's uh, quite more um, intense, <laughs> and so we 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 first built some things for for Apple, but yeah, we have products in Android that are like a um, little bit um, how we can say behind in terms of features than the, the iOS products because um, Apple technology, especially in the accessibility field. It's a it's a little bit more advanced than than Android technology in in, in many aspects. But specifically accessibility, or is it more? Is there a hardware difference as well? Um, because um, you're you're somewhat dependent on the processing power and the machine learning that's built into the hardware. Yeah, for for instance, um, when you are building a very very uh, large optimization process of the AI models. You have to work um, at a very low level in terms of coding, and uh, having one manufacturer with their own uh, op- operating system uh, that houses a, a larger, um, let's say, or better conditions for, for working. Okay, in this operating system for exactly this hardware that happens in the Apple ecosystem. On the Android ecosystem, you have a plenty of manufacturers with different uh, processors, with different uh, layers of, of the Android system, and so uh, and, and that causes like a, a quite a harder situation to 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 make that optimization process. So that that's why probably in iOS you can feel 
that uh, our, our, our processes or the features that the iOS apps have are quite more advanced than the Android one. So th th that's like the difference between those universes are uh, totally, totally different uh, fields, iOS versus Android. Sure. And, and I guess depending on what country you're in or what group of users you're trying to attract, you're going to have a challenge with, I'm sure iOS is more popular in some places than Android is and vice versa. And I, I don't know how those break down in terms of the, especially in developing countries. But uh, is that something you, you think about when you're, you're developing products or that you have to think about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the goal, the ultimate goal is to cover, I, I mean, all the possible users. And, and we, uh, of course, we know that there are more Android users than iOS users. But speaking like, like, a, like a startup, the App Store, it's a place where developers can, um, can sell better if that's the the correct term okay android it's a android it's it's more challenging to 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 have sales i mean the, the the strategies are different and you have to like think a little bit more how to how to offer an app but at the same time uh have money to the startup have the income so uh, that, that's another reason we often start by App Store because mm -hmm. it's it's a a place uh, like more friendly for developers in that terms in that kind of a like a income generating sure. situation, especially for a subscription model like yours. That's all handled in the App Store. All you have to do is say what you want to charge, and all of that's taken care of. And obviously, you have to pay a fee for it, but you you, you get your revenue out of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, we would dream. Being Apple or a Google, we can dream of having everything free, but that's not the case of startups. Of course, of course. Uh, at, at the beginning, you have to uh, have the correct strategy to to have uh, revenue and make it sustainable. Let's let's zoom out a little bit and talk about Talov and talk about how you develop these products. What 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 was the genesis of the startup, and and why did you decide to to go into accessibility products? Well. That's a quite a long story, but uh, it, it's very nice to share it. Um, I am a musician, a classical guitarist, sings five or six years old, probably. And uh, I remember in, in, in a performance, in a concert, that I was, uh, I, I was in the theater and, and then came a, a girl that was playing the, the piano. and. I, re I still remember, as it was yesterday, as it were yesterday, uh, her sound. Pure, powerful, crisp, incredible, amazing sound. Okay? And I was always wondering why people, uh, the most of the people, always think of the disability, but not on the ability side. Because... Definitely, that girl had a sound that I still don't find any person with that kind of beautiful sound. Okay, and that's definitely not a disability. That is totally an ability. Okay, a um, couple of years later, when I was like uh, 13 years old, a teacher, a high school teacher, um, showed me C++ language programming language in that time i mean the, the the interface i think was more length okay that's extremely old oh yeah that's <laughs> when, a long when, time when, ago <laughs> yeah when computers were like dinosaurs yeah and um and i was uh i was amazed by by that software i mean i was i was doing games or screensavers and that kind of let's say silly things but i didn't know how to um, how to use that for a very useful thing for humanity, but that was the the seed of 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 what uh, happened later. So um, in that time, uh, my co-founder, actually Talov co-founder Carlos Orlando, he was uh, my my classmate at the high school. So we learned to code together. Okay, when we were like thirteen years old. But then he decided to, when we finished the high school, he decided to go to one university. I went to another university. 
he studied mechatronics engineering, I studied acoustical engineering, but uh, we continued uh, developing, okay? So in 2008, again, like 12 or 14, yeah, like 14 years ago, I think, yeah. Um, I was making my graduation work. I mean, I don't know if the correct term is the, the thesis work, but uh, sometimes yeah, thesis, it's called, yeah. yeah, it's called like that. And uh, I was always um, upset <laughs> when when I was in a, in a musical performance and the audiovisuals were extremely synchronized, okay? The visuals with the audio. But what happened when a jazz musician wanted to make some improvisation? All that synchronization between, between the audio and the visual just uh, disappeared, okay? And I was thinking, okay, how to make a software? Because I was, my hobby was programming to make a software that that uh, can uh, follow the music or, or or any sound input, any audio input in real time to produce images, different kind of images. And I started to develop it, uh, and then I, I submitted as a as a thesis work. But in the in, in in the time I was I when I was doing that, I remember one specific night that I was coding, like two a.m. or three a.m. I don't remember, but with a lot of coffee, that the TV just, uh, the, the channel, the channel signal went uh, went off, okay? Just disappeared. And you have that white noise, like, yeah. like there. Okay. So the computer produced a very specific uh, visual uh, pattern, okay? Then the channel returned it, the signal returned it. And, okay, I saw another pattern. When again, the signal disappeared. This the, the computer generated exactly the same pattern uh, like a few minutes ago. So I was, hmm, this is interesting because uh, probably a person that cannot hear can know what is happening around just with visual insights. It, it was like a general idea, but I I, I started to. I just started to make some variations of the algorithm. I mean, to to adjust some parameters to make it like uh, more oriented to the accessibility side. And that was in the 2008 year. So that was like the, the beginning of everything. And I can, I then, then I entered to work at, at the university. I was the director of the musical production career, but I, I continued uh, developing. Developing, developing, and making some uh, improvements to the software, and and continue developing. And I remember in 2016, we we went to an informal meeting. I mean, a friends meeting with Carlos, and we started to talk about what have you been doing all these years? Oh man, I was doing this and this and this, and we realized uh, we were working. In the without knowing about each other's work, but we were working like in the same field. I was making a software that helps deaf people with the visual insights, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he was trying to develop some apps, mobile apps, uh, with a social purpose. So we were like, "What if we join forces and, and build something mm-hmm. big from the scratch?" And we took the crazy decision of quit our jobs. We were, <laughs> <laughs> we were uh, university teachers, but and, and that's that was the beginning of everything. We took one year, one entire year, to optimize all we have developed to uh, to macOS, Windows systems to to make it run in a very tiny, tiny, tiny mobile processor. So in twenty seventeen we launch our first step that was speakers. When you think startup, you think, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to find angel investors. I'm going to get people that believe in my vision. I'm going to go to Sand Hill Road or in, in Silicon Valley, or I'm going to have you know pitch decks, all those things that we think of as, as a startup. Did you go that traditional route and just go out and get investors? And were, and if so, were people eager to, to join you on that journey or was it a challenge? Oh, that's a very, very interesting question because the the typical i mean the typical road of the 
of the entrepreneur. It's something very, uh, it, it's funny because most of the people think it's, uh, it's like that. You launch your startup, you find investors, and then in, in couple in couple of of weeks you are living in Silicon Valley and so on. And, <laughs> no, Not it's so much. Way harder. <laughs> yeah, the the, the part it's is hard. It's, yeah, it, it's 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 like a hardcore situation. I mean, uh, for example, what an early stage founder really need it's first to bootstrap. Okay. Uh, you have to ask for brutal customer feedback, like daily, tolerate it, and, and you have to act on it. So um, that doesn't happen when you are like dreaming in, in being in the in the Silicon Valley top places. I mean, especially in the accessibility feature, uh, field, it's uh, we we can say that it's harder. It's harder to find. Uh, some investors, uh, I mean, like committed to the social side because, uh, okay, let's be honest, and this can be uh, hard to, to hear, but the, the truth will always be the truth. Um, most of the investors, when what they just want, most of the times, not everyone, but the most of them, is just fast as possible, okay, exit, and and the the, the the multiplication of the money as much as possible. So if if they invest ten dollars and tomorrow you give them one million dollars, you are the unicorn. No matter <laughs> what you do, I don't care about what you do in which sector or industry or whatever you are. You are a unicorn just because having that measure about the multiplication of the money. But there some other things beyond just making money okay so uh when you think of that the like the the possibilities of finding investors that are concerned about uh making money making the good working for solving this specific type of problem and that kind of things that's a little bit different okay and in our case it hasn't uh, i i mean it's not so easy to find that kind of investment. So uh, probably we we have uh, we have spoken about this in many media about uh, accessible technologies booming the world. Okay, so where are the the investments in this? Because accessible technology, we we have to clarify this. Accessible technology is not only for people with disabilities. Accessible technology, it's uh, the main principle of the universal design. I mean, you have to make a product usable by everyone. And that's very important because every human being in any moment or in any point of their life will be a person with disability. And disability, it's not the typical image that we have about a person in wheelchairs or a person that have a stick, a blind person walking with a stick. No. I mean, when you are driving and you have your phone in one hand, okay, you are holding the phone in one hand and you try to control a machine just with your other hand, in that moment, you are a person that have a disability in terms of full capacity to control a machine. So mm -hmm. you can have an accident or whatever. So disability is something very, it's very common but we think that, oh, no, if I am not on a wheelchair, I definitely don't think about disability. No, that, that's not correct. When you're finding investors, have you had to focus primarily on people and organizations that have social good at the core of what they're doing? Or do you find that there are people who are motivated by money who also, oh, by the way, would be happy to invest in things that are you know, may, may, may either be less profitable or at the very least are, it's, it's less apparent to the investor how they're going to get their money back because the market is smaller. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the beginning, we were, we were using the first strategy that you mentioned. I mean, we were, we, with Carlos, we were like, oh, let's go to, to this event. Uh, there will be a lot of investors and let's see what happens. And 
but it's it's like a, so it's not efficient. Okay, so now what we do, we are still okay. This is important to notice. We are still not uh, with a with that external investment in our company. We are still bootstrapped. Okay, and uh, we are looking for investment for expansion, but not for paying our mm-hmm. our, our our expenses today. I mean, for expansion, for some very crazy things that we want to do, even beyond <laughs> the accessibility things, yeah. accessibility field, even beyond that. Um, but the, the, the strategy that we use uh, today, it's to, for example, um, find that kind of uh, VCs, venture capital uh, firms, or um, or that uh, that specific profile of investors in, for example, in LinkedIn, and then uh, we try to see if they have invested in, I don't know, some social things or they are just oriented to the fintech, to the agrotech, to, to any, any kind of industry. So we now, uh, we make a very heavy search or research in social medias like uh, LinkedIn prior to speaking with somebody. Because if not, I mean, we are wasting our time. We are making that the other person waste their time. So we try to first be very, very, uh, to have the certainty of who we are speaking with. So what are the biggest challenges uh, beyond sort of finding investors? You say you're, you're still bootstrapped right now and you want to expand, but what are some of the other challenges as a startup that you, you face in just getting your stuff out there in the world? The other very big challenge is to find the right team. I think that that's the the, the challenge, not only for a startup, but for a huge corporation. Finding the the, the right team, it's it's extremely difficult. I mean, in in our case, just think of it as a a profile of a, a person that is extremely talented at the artificial intelligence side but also has an accessibility background. And also it's committed with the, with the social driven purpose of a company and, and that kind of profile, it's not so easy to find. At least at the beginning when you are like, I mean, we always joke with Carlos regarding, uh, what is your role in the company? Okay, my role, it says CEO, but I am also the person that is always brooming the, the office, cleaning the bathrooms <laughs> and, and, and fixing the cameras and everything. Because at the beginning, you need to find that kind of uh, extremely committed team members to, I mean, to, to build something from the scratch. So that's like the, the internal hard part of, of, the, of a company, having uh, the right team. And the other challenge that it's more like an external challenge, I mean, even harder than than coding, than building the, the technology is to convince people, societies, that accessibility matters. That's extremely hard. So we use the technology just as a vehicle to, to reach like our, our ultimate goal. That is, let's change the mindset of an entire country, of an entire region, continent, of an entire planet about Accessibility is important, and we and we see often with, with so uh, with uh, I mean with disappointment that most of the times governments or private sector or public sector they just don't think like that. Accessibility doesn't matter for them. It seems to me, and I I know some big companies, your Microsofts, your Apples, your your Googles have done initiatives in recent years to talk about their accessibility work and some of them have done good work but it sometimes it does feel like there's a sort of a PR aspect to it and a uh, well we we want to be seen doing accessibility but the, the actual work of accessibility is is really hard and I guess the the question I would put in there because that was my editorializing I suppose uh, but but the question I would put in there is do you find that the that there is that that people are able to sort of go beyond the goodwill of oh accessibility is a good idea, but that once you ask them to put their 
money where their mouth is or to actually get involved in making or promoting accessibility products. Is that where people fall down? They're like, it's it's a great idea, but I don't want to have to I don't want to have to do the hard work to make it happen. Yeah, that, that's like, yeah, exactly. That's like a common, uh, common words that, that we have heard so, so many times. But um, I mean, let's think of it as a, as a chain of, uh, of situations. I mean, we started all these artificial intelligence by doing it oriented to the accessibility side. And why? Because, uh, of, of course, doing the good, I mean, uh, causing a positive impact in humanity, et cetera, et cetera. But also to demonstrate that these AI stuff can be uh, or can work on some of the most challenging or, or in one of the most challenging scenarios for the AI, that is actually accessibility. So... Um, in the very basic layer, we are an artificial intelligence company, okay, that started by this field. But uh, of course, we understand that uh, artificial intelligence has to has to serve for another. I mean, on another fields. L- let's think of it as, as the very, very, very beginning of Tesla. Okay, this guy Elon Musk, he was doing. Uh, prototypes of electric cars, etc. And you can think that Tesla is an electric car company. Yeah, partially. They are most an artificial intelligence company that has mm-hmm. that, that has cars. Okay, to demonstrate that the artificial intelligence it's amazing with the full self driving and with blah 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 blah. But in the very basic layer, it's an artificial intelligence company. So it's like finding a, a um, uh, I mean, a product that you can build, that you can demonstrate that is extremely useful for a community, no matter if if it's a niche community or is like a wide general community, but in, in the basic layer, you are doing other things that fit that, that product at the beginning. Is- does that make it easier to find a, a team? Because if you have people that are committed to artificial intelligence and that's what they've studied or that's what they've been working in, whether they have an accessibility background or not, it, it seems like that would make it easier to at least have some of your team that has the technical expertise and then you have to figure out a way to get the accessibility expertise in there as well. Yeah, actually shifting to that like different kind of purpose I mean, not changing the purpose, but I mean, uh, making it bigger. Uh, yeah, that helped us to um, to find like more talent. Okay, that helped us definitely. Uh, but we are always like um, looking for that kind of uh, people that, I mean, we don't ask for, for example, when we are looking for talent, we are not looking for the PhD with, 13 university or college degrees that they no. We are we are looking more for people that have done amazing things, okay, no matter if they studied or not, but they have demonstrated to do amazing things. And, and it's like funny because, for example, in some in some job interviews, I mean the interview to, to find job, uh, in some cases we we ask like silly things like how many traffic lights do you think there are right now in the world <laughs> and that's like what uh, are you serious yeah just uh, you have uh, 30 seconds and just throw me a number because we appreciate more the capacity to be very creative in using your own knowledge than only the knowledge by itself i don't know if that's like we'll explain it but uh, we we appreciate that a lot in a person when because uh, the knowledge it's there it's free you can go to YouTube you can go to Stack Overflow there's knowledge even there are plenty of written uh, code samples with all the things that you need okay but the willingness to learn mm-hmm. that is very very hard to find well. Speaking of that, the knowledge on the accessibility side, how do you think about 
figuring out what the community, whether they be people who are deaf or people who are, have blindness or, or some, whatever disability you're working with, how do you figure out what those folks need and continue your dialogue? You talked about the rigorous feedback you get on the actual products, but before that, you have to say, hey, wh- what does this community need? What do they want? And, and how do you figure that out? Yeah, that's extremely important because if you don't add as, as developers, you can be building uh, incredible things, but with no useful side. Okay. And uh, we, f- for example, in our company, we are a core team of five people. We are a microscopic company. <laughs> and uh, two, two members of that five team, five people team, are people with disabilities, actually. We consider that uh, as a eternal goal that the 50% of the team has to necessarily be people with disabilities. Or I, I love this term. I, actually, I, I, was in, I was in Dubai like three, three weeks ago. And in, in that places, in the Arabic region, they call people of determination. Okay. To, to people I've with disabilities. I, I, yeah. I love the term. Yeah, because, that's nice. Yeah, that's like more accurate. <laughs> they have a lot of determination. So uh, we, we, our goal is to have the 50% of the team with disabilities. We are now, we are not in, in the 50%. I mean, being five, two of them, we are in the 40%, unfortunately. But we are, we are on, on, the, on, on the road. So um, for us, it's very important, for example, at the very beginning to ask these people, for example, these two members about... Uh, what do you think about, uh, or can you explain me better about this specific kind of uh, challenge that you have in your daily life? Okay, so they they, they tell they tell us okay the challenge is like that, it's like that, and it's like that. And uh, have you sp- uh, have you um, have you been in contact with your own community? I mean, your community of of visual impairment or your community of hearing impairment about if that challenge, it's like a common challenge for everyone. Okay, so let, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's go for the, uh, to, to speak with them and have uh, like more information. So once we have all that information about the challenges, not for only of one of our team members, but for an entire community, I mean, more like a local community because even with this COVID thing, um, the, the communication became like, totally virtual, so it was hard to go to another city and visit people physically, okay? But um, once we have all that information, we start to, to prototype, to prototype and prototype and fail because we fail like 99 times and mm-hmm. probably the 100 time we we don't fail, hopefully. And those all those prototypes are being evaluated by by these uh, team members or by their community. So that's very important for us. That's how we validate. So you have some some beta programs or some ways to get more community members access to your products early enough that they can give you feedback and help you know whether you're on the right track or not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's very easy to be, uh, I mean to be lost while you're developing something. So I think a lot of times, and I'm, I'm certainly guilty of this too, I'm in the United States and I, you, you tend to think in terms of the country that you're most familiar with, the country that you live in and, and what things are like in the U.S. because the major tech companies tend to be headquartered here. And so I guess I wonder what, what people should know about your experiences in developing countries. You're getting the apps into those countries. Obviously, you're selling them through the app store, so that's all the same. But I, I wonder what your experience has told you about particular needs of developing countries or particular ways that your products need to be customized for those. I mean, I, I guess it's a, it's a super broad question because I, I don't know what the answer is going to be. So I guess just if you could talk about what it's like uh, work, working in a developed developing market as opposed to, say, a, a, an industrial industrialized country like the United States. Yeah, that's a very, uh, a very good question. I mean, when you're working in a developing country, uh, as, as everything, you have advantages and disadvantages, probably more disadvantages. <laughs> than advantages, but one very specific um, 
aspect about working in a developing country is that it's like playing the, the PlayStation in the very hard mode. Okay. <laughs> so uh, necessarily you will get stronger than others because the, the situation for you was harder. Okay. If you don't die in, in the, in the, in, in the trying process. Um, so some things about developing countries are that uh, it's very, very hard to find capital. Okay. Uh, most of the capital is concentrated just in, I mean, trying to solve the basic necessities of a developing country that can be more concentrated in, I don't know, the fintech or probably the, the, um, the food industry and that kind of things. And, and then you, you, you come with a new venture that, the, hey, this is artificial intelligence about disability or accessibility of people of determination. And they are just like, oh man, that's not important for us because we first need to, to solve the food issue. Sure. Okay, so uh, that's like the hard part. And uh, being conscious about that, uh, we, for example, we, uh, um, we established, if it's the correct term, our company in Delaware actually is in the United States. So if, if uh, it, it's okay, we are currently uh, living in Ecuador not for um not for for a very long time because we are trying to to go for other places where we think um situation can be better i mean for a tech company or even for tech founders because the company is already in the united states but internet doesn't replace every human relation so in some cases you uh, you can um you can have more results like being working very hard i don't know in in california than in, in a country like Ecuador. So, okay, so um, our, our experience has been like that, like trying to build something global from a developing country, it's harder, definitely harder than other ventures that we always hear about uh, these guys in Denmark built something amazing and got investment, even in the accessibility field and get some investment and they are expanding, they, they are in the expansion process to this and this and this, and we are like, oof. <laughs> and we are still bootstrapped and playing the PlayStation and, and, and doing the PlayStation <laughs> stuff in the extremely hard mode. But okay, let's continue because we are still alive. Do do governments of, and their different policies toward accessibility have much of an impact on what you do? And I, I ask that because I know in sort of more traditional accessibility product areas where people would make hardware for people with blindness and, and hearing impairment or physical impairment, government in the United States, at least in some other countries, provides that equipment to people. And I don't know whether... Uh, governments address things like mobile apps or even providing phones to people with disabilities so that they can use products like yours. Is, is that something that you deal with? Yeah, but that's like another very um, not fun, definitely not fun aspect <laughs> I'm sure. about developing countries. <laughs> it's a not fun aspect about developing countries. For example, I remember that uh, in, in our country, in Ecuador, we have in, in the past year's president that he was a person uh, using a wheelchair, okay? So he, he, can, he, he was in the, in the person with disabilities uh, profile, okay? And uh, we thought, or I will be honest, I thought, oh, this can be a great idea. Let's go to speak with the president. He is a person with disabilities. Um, so probably he will be, he will have like more empathy, empathy to, to this aspect about accessibility, et cetera, et cetera. So I was very happy with the idea, but the day I went to, to, to speak with, with the government and with, with some, uh, not only the president, but, uh, different organizations about disability in Ecuador, I just got so, so disappointed because you feel like the, the the first impression, uh, corruption. Corruption is typical in developing countries, and I think that's one of the reasons they are still in the developing countries category. Sure, corruption. Okay, uh, 
our goal was just to okay this was our message okay guys we have this product and we are Ecuadorians so as a as a contribution to our countries we want to make it free forever for every Ecuadorian citizen that has a visual impairment or a hearing impairment okay we just need from you government the enough uh, media exposure to to have this like massive okay that every every person in the country just uh, um, to get known about this okay we we weren't asking for them uh, please uh, you have to buy one thousand uh, licenses of our software no we we were uh, giving them for free and. Even with that message, they just uh, the message was like, okay, you have to if you want to be on the on the media of the government, you have to pay, and and you have to pay, but not a a, a correct payment. I mean, mm. you have to pay under the table for this person and this person and this person. And I was like, oh my god, no! So, guys, thank you for your time. <laughs> I don't need you, and we started by ourselves. And now, like two years ago, we have issued thousands of licenses for free without the help of, of the government. So that's why sometimes I am so critic. And some, some people can think, oh, this guy is so annoying because he is extremely harsh, like, uh, you know, very hard to say some things. But I prefer to be extremely honest and, uh, and say, in developing countries, not all the developing countries, but in many developing countries, oh, the, the, the governments are not thinking about how to solve social issues. They are just thinking how to do uh, another different things. But so that, that ends up being another cost for you, though, because if you want to make something available freely, you're going to have to recoup what it costs to develop and maintain it, either through an investor who has a social focus or by charging somebody else right yeah yeah actually and that's why uh, well well we decided that just for for ecuador i mean like a contribution for for our own country um and and we are thinking of another like uh, you know there are other strategies to to make an app um sustainable to have revenue you, you as a developer you can have a uh, plenty of tools that we are analyzing and of course, to expand these, uh, like the the fields of uh, the application fields of our technology, to another uh, aspects beyond accessibility. So that's very important for us. I mean, in some, uh, it, it's like that. Google is started by a search engine, okay, but Google doesn't charge you for the search engine. It's always free, but they charge you for other things that pay the search engine working. Sure. So th that's like our case. We started by by some kind of technology in some point. Of course, we would dream to make it for free for the entire humanity. But at that point, as a company, if we survive and, and thrive in, in, in this path, we will have to um, to make, a, to build another streams of revenue. That That's uh, obvious. Well, and and I guess my my last question for you, and kind of you kind of anticipated, is is what's what's next for you, either in terms of uh, doing more with the products that you have, or coming up with with new products, or are there any things that you want to talk about that you you have on the drawing board? Yeah, in a roadmap, there are other products for other types of uh, disabilities, so we are always researching about how to solve some things we are working on some things about um like uh, policy okay or, or the, for people that cannot control a machine with the voice or, or with the gestures but just for example with eyes movement or facial gestures and that kind of things um of course uh, we, we were in the expo dubai like two or three weeks ago because we are um finding for we're looking for um, expansion in that region. I mean, in that region, we realized that probably some uh, government organizations are um, are quite more committed 
to the accessibility field. So we want to take advantage about um, that uh, commitment to 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 build like um, more products. And and for example, um, additional to Speedless and Vision, one week ago we launched Speedless Watch. Speedless Watch is a a mobile app. Yeah, a watch is still a mobile. <laughs> a mobile <but laughs> sure. It, yeah, sure. It's a, an app for the Apple Watch. Okay, so you can have in your own watch uh, an audio detector that can inform you or notify you of, of more than 300 different kind of, of sounds. And we are we are working some of our products, for example, for the hearing people, you know, for people that are not users of uh, of uh, sign language, is really really hard to understand to understand the sign language. So we're working on some ideas about how to uh, increase the awareness of the sign language between the uh, in the hearing people community, you know, not only in the hearing impairment community, but on the hearing people. So everyone can have the capacity to understand the language that they never were taught in in the in the school. Let's see, probably technology can can solve uh, that that kind of things because at the at the very basic level, let's use the word problem, but probably it's not the best word, but okay, I will use it. The problem is not uh, the, 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 the problem are not the people with disabilities, okay? The problem are the rest of us that doesn't make any endeavor or any effort to understand them, to include them, because they are a minority and is the responsibility of the, 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 the majority of the people to build uh, an inclusive, uh, more respectful work for everyone. So that's the real problem. The, the problem is not the person in wheelchairs. The problem is that probably the, the designers of the engineers or the architects doesn't consider that uh, the, uh, this building will have different kind of users. And one of these users can be a person that will come in wheelchairs. So how we figure out a solution to make our building useful for just everyone, that's the real problem. I think that's a great way to, to end. Thank you for that. Um, let me let you tell people how they can find uh, your company and your products online. Yeah, of course. Uh, we are on social media like Talov. It's T-A-L-O-V, uh, V of Virginia. Um, so you can find us on LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And we are always um, posting about uh, the, the new things that we are launching or some new contributions that we are doing to the accessibility field because we definitely think that technology should be used to solve social issues and and that that's like a, I mean it, it's like a uh, like a, a goal for 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 me especially to to have something that fires you up in in the morning and 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 lets you like um, I don't know how to say but use all your your knowledge your 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 willingness to to make some good thing for humanity so. We think that uh, in this case, we started by this accessible technology, and we think this can be uh, a next uh, big step for, for, for our company and for humanity. The, the day we, uh, we travel to, I don't know, to the Antarctica continent, and, and we can find a person there that is using our solution, that day, I will, say, I will tell myself, like, okay, your work is probably a little bit done <laughs> and you have to continue working, but okay, you, you can watch like by yourself that your technology is helping somebody. And that's something that fires me up in the morning. That's, that's so good to hear. Uh, Hugo Jacome, thank you so much for being on Parallel. It was really great talking to you. Thank you so much, Shelly. Thanks for listening to this episode of Parallel. You can follow the show over at relay.fm slash parallel. You can subscribe. You can find 
all the past episodes and links to all of the guests we've had on in the past. You can follow the show also at Parallel Pods on Twitter. I want to let you know that after next episode, we'll be taking a summer hiatus. We'll be off for June, July, and August and back in early September with brand new episodes of Parallel. I've got one more to go before that hiatus starts, so uh, listen up for that. We're actually about to record it as I speak. And uh, we just uh, want to take a little time to, to retool and rethink and recharge, as they say. I'm really looking forward to bringing you some great episodes starting in September, so stay subscribed and look for us in the fall. As always, if you have any suggestions for topics or guests for the show, please don't hesitate to get in touch over at Parallel Pods on Twitter. Thanks, and we've got one more episode coming before the break, so see you next time.